<laughs> half an hour, all right. Um, anyways, uh, a few things. we got evening service tonight. Looking forward to that. Um, then as well, a uh, reminder for the ladies' prayer advance. Deposits are due December 10th. Uh, we won't be able to register you if the deposit is not paid. we got to have that in order to do it. Uh, if you run into an issue, please let us know and we can help out. Uh, shoe boxes for AJ James uh, Christmas shoe box ministry. All boxes are due today, all right? Uh, if you run to something where you forgot it at home today, if you can get it to me tomorrow morning, that'll work, but that's it. We cannot take it anymore. Uh, and so uh, the deadline is today, and we do got a good bit, so thank you all. And they look wonderful, by the way, so so grateful uh, for that. Um, and then for those of you who would like to send Christmas cards to our shut-ins, uh, there are a list of shut-in names, addresses on the back table. I know that would be a special blessing to them this time of year and for their families. Uh, then Saturday, uh, December 9th at 11 o'clock, the ladies' ministry are going to be gathering together to make holiday baskets for the shut-ins. Uh, please bring a $5 to $10 gift in exchange, uh, for an exchange and desserts to share. Uh, please see the flyers on the back table for uh, the items to bring to fill the baskets. Sign-up sheet is on the back table, and if you cannot attend but would like to donate items, please leave them at the back of the church, and they'll get it to where it needs to go. Um, Sunday, December 17th, coming up quick, just a couple weeks away. Following the morning service, we'll have our Christmas uh, meal together and our ugly Christmas sweater day as well. We'll have our ugly Christmas sweater contest in the back like last year, past couple years, and do prizes uh, for different age groups and things. So y'all break out those ugly Christmas sweaters, all right? And then uh, on that day, the church will provide ham, turkey, rolls, and please bring a side dish and or dessert to share. Uh, whatever you bring, that's what we're going to eat, all right? So if you want to eat it, you bring it. Uh, and then uh, that day, we won't have Sunday school or evening service just to enjoy the festivities of the day and allow for all the, the prep, or, uh, prep work that needs to go into it. And then Wednesday the 20th, it's always the Wednesday before uh, Christmas, uh, we'll have our midweek Christmas candlelight service and cookie social. So that'll be in here this, uh, that evening. Uh, there'll be some special music, uh, the readings uh, of Scripture for the Christmas story, and of course, focusing on Christ coming and why He came uh, to die on the cross for our sins. He was buried, rose in the third day, according to Scripture, to give us life. He was born uh, so that we might be born again, and so we are grateful for that. Uh, so we're going to celebrate that, and after we do that, we'll have the candle lighting and everything. We'll sing Silent Night, and we'll go to the back, and we'll eat cookies. So you bring some cookies to share that night. We'll have hot chocolate out there and coffee for everybody. Uh, and, and some milk for those of you who, who like to eat cookies like Santa Claus and, and eat your milk, milk with cookies, all right? But then uh, with all that, uh, there'll be some more announcements as we get th more through uh, uh, end of the month and things. But I want to read for some scripture. And this morning starts our Christmas festivities, as you can see with the decorations, but as well we'll be singing some Christmas carols. And you might not be the, the kind that likes Christmas or Christmas carols, but I want you to know as we sing today over the next few weeks, um, these Christmas carols, I want you to truly listen to the message uh, that we're singing. Think about what this means, that Christ would come to us to save us from our sins. And may we praise the Lord Jesus Christ for what He's done for us. Now the Bible tells us in Psalm 119, verses 41 onward, it says, Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgment. So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I uh, seek thy precepts. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. And I will meditate in thy statutes. Here's what we find about the word of God. We need to learn it. 
We need to love it. We need to live it. It is simple as that. We are gathered here today to gather around to sing the Word, to hear the Word preached, and to fellowship according to the Word by the Spirit of God that leads us to the Lord Jesus Christ, to who He is and what He's done for us. So as we do that, let's pray. We're going to stand to our feet and we're going to worship the King. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. We're grateful that we can gather, that we can uh, worship you in spirit and in truth today, Lord. I, I know we've got many folks who are out sick, uh, some in the hospital, some with uh, much sickness and things, but we do pray, God, that you would bless them, touch their bodies, bring healing and comfort and encouragement. We pray that this morning for every soul that's in this place today or watching online, God, that you would meet with their, them in their heart, and that you would open up our hearts, eyes to your word, or that you would bring conviction to us, that you would bring comfort to us according to your word. And we pray that Christ would be magnified and lifted up and glorified today, and Lord, that we would uh, trust in your presence today, that we would know that you are here and that you are meeting with us. Lord, help us now to meet with you and, and to worship you now, to honor you. Lord, to seek your word, and uh, Lord, that we might learn it, that we might love it, we might live it. God, that today, that uh, everything that we say and do, Lord, that it would point us to Jesus Christ. And Lord, it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Happy December to you. We're going to start the uh, month of December singing Christmas carols for the whole month. So if you're able, please stand, and we'll get started singing hymn number 267. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, and Scripture tells us, Lord, give me a golden nugget here in this Scripture. I just happened to be looking in them, an older Bible years ago and seen one uh, verse in there. It says, uh, meditate on this and uh, memorize it. And uh, that was Micah 5-5, five, five, I think it was. But uh, Micah 5-4 five, and 5-5 five, five tells us, And he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. And now verse 5. And this man shall be the peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land and when he shall tread in our palaces, then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men. And he shall be the peace, Jesus Christ. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Day, their whole familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat a peace on earth, good will to men. I thought how as the day had come, the had rolled 
sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Amen. Remain standing. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Very favorite of all of us, I'm sure. Luke 2.15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, these shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And that was the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, come all ye faithful. Sing out as unto the Lord. to the world. Our next song, hymn number 270, Psalm 98, verses 4 and verse 9 tells us, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. So we're going to sing loud and you say you can't sing, that's alright, I believe you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but make a loud noise 
sing with joy in your heart, okay? And praise the Lord. One more verse. Before the Lord, for he cometh to judge, judge the earth with righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. Amen. Joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the same. seated you can uh, shake hands wave smile say hello and you can move about if you choose to let's make everyone feel welcome and we're glad you're here hello everybody
Alrighty, good to see everybody out shaking hands and saying hello and chit-chatting a little bit. So if you would, we'll move along here in the service, make your way back to your seats. And we have a special now by Stephen and his lovely daughter, Josie. So y'all come on. I'll try to get my mess out of your way. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning It's time to sing your song again Whatever may pass And whatever lies before me Let me be singing when the evening comes Bless the Lord, oh my soul Oh, my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship Your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great. And your heart is kind For all your goodness I will keep on singing Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find Bless the Lord, oh my soul Oh my soul Worship His holy name Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending Ten thousand years and then forevermore Bless the Lord, oh my soul Oh my soul Worship His holy name Sing like never before Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. Yes, I will worship your holy name. Oh, Lord, we worship your holy Amen. Amen. 
God is holy. Appreciate that song. That's certainly glorified, edified, Lord Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. If we would, let's go to the Lord in prayer now. And if you would, bow and pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We recognize, Father, you're holy. When we come into thy presence, Lord, we honor and glorify you by with your holiness, Lord. And we realize, Lord, we're unholy, but you're holy. But but by Christ, by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in us, we come to you, Lord, as vessels that are holy through Christ only. And we uh, ask, Lord, you to continue to bless in this service. Thank you for the songs. Pray, Lord, it's been pleasing to you and honoring you because you deserve all the praise, honor, and glory and power, as your word says. We ask, Lord, you bless our pastor. Lord, give him fresh touch from heaven this morning. Lord, guide his, his mind, his, his tongue, Lord, his thoughts into the message that you've given him and help him to convey it like you want him to. And, Lord, help us to listen and be obedient unto your word and everything said and done, preached and sung here today. Uh, we just pray it be pleasing to you and bring honor and glory to you. For it's in Jesus Christ's name, name above all names, we pray. Amen. Okay, we have one more song. His mercy is more. And uh, I was wrong on that uh, golden nugget. Uh, this is the one that he gave me. It, it had several verses in Micah, and you may stand if you're able. Micah 6.8 is the one that... Uh, uh, I had marked in my Bible to memorize and meditate upon, and I have failed. I think I knew it at one time, but I'd forgotten it. If you don't practice these verses almost daily or weekly, use it or lose it. But anyway, Micah 6, 8 was it, and we'll have one more after that. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Now, who loves mercy? I tell you what, raise your hand. You love mercy? The older I get, the more I love mercy. Because, I, I mean, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank the Lord every, every morning, every day for mercy because it's by his mercy that we're standing here and breathing and alive. Amen. And Psalm 136.1, this is the last verse, Joanne. <laughs> oh, me, and done preaching. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That's what I like. Amen. I love God's mercy. His mercy is more. Thrown in 
hit that bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What patience would wait as we constantly roam? What Father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What riches of kindness he lavished on us his blood was the payment his life was the cause we stood neath the debt we could never afford our sins they are many his mercy is more praise the lord his mercy is Well, thankful for the worship this morning, and I'm thankful this morning that His mercy is more as ready as my flesh is and prepared my flesh is to sin. My God is ready all the more with His mercy to forgive and to pardon and to cleanse and off the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are grateful for that, that His blood is able to, cl- uh, to, to cleanse uh, and His righteousness is able to cover any sinner. Today, you cannot out the mercy of God. You cannot run so far that He cannot reach you, scoop you up, find you, and save your soul. Today, if, if this is you and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you don't have 
that, that notion that you, that you know that you have forgiveness of sins, that you know that you're in right standing with God. Uh, today, before we get any further, I want you to know this, that God sent His Son. This is why we celebrate Christmas in the first place. We know He wasn't born on December 25th, but we're going to celebrate anyways because God sent His only begotten Son into the world because He loved the world. And He sent His Son to die for the world, to, to pay the price for the sins of many, to become a curse, uh, to hang there on the cross of Calvary as a curse for us. Uh, to, to bear the price of our sins, uh, to be lowered into the grave, to raise in the third day according to the Scripture, so that you and I could know only the mercy, grace, and kindness of Almighty God that is found in Jesus Christ alone. Uh, so grateful for salvation today. If you don't have that, before we go any further, take a moment and you call out, you ask for mercy, and God's got it. I can promise you that. Uh, take your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 7. Isaiah chapter number 7 this morning. Isaiah chapter number 7. As you can see in your bulletin, we're going to be looking at the Christmas presents, the gift of His presence. Probably uh, everyone in this room likes Christmas presents, but we can take or leave it, and we'll get into that in a moment. But what we're going to see is that God has given us something. He has given us Himself. He has given us His Son. He has given us His presence. And today we're going to see the focus of the first gift that we're going to deal with over the next few weeks is that He has given us the gift of the promise of His presence. He has promised His presence to His people. And you and I can know and rest assured in that today. Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14 tells us this, Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive... Let me pause for a moment. By the way, that happened one time and one time only, and after that, Mary did not stay a virgin. Uh, she, had, uh, she was married to Joseph. She had other children. Uh, Jesus Christ had other earthly uh, children, but He was virgin-born. There has been no other, and there will be no other. And if we don't have the virgin birth, we do not have salvation. If we do not have that nailed down, if the virgin birth is not real, then Jesus is not God. He cannot be the Savior, but because He is virgin-born, it proves to us all the more, one more evidence that He is God in the flesh and that He came and that He is the only one able to save. Now, because, as we go forward, He says, And bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, as we'll see over in Matthew, that tells us it means God with us. Let us pray. Father, we love You. We thank You for this time to gather, to worship You, to praise Your name. Grateful for the songs that we could sing. Grateful for the special. Lord, may it be said that from the time that we wake up to the time that we go to sleep, Lord, that we would bless Your name. And Lord, You are holy, You are righteous, You are good. And Lord, I believe that You have something for us in Your Word today and store. And Lord, You've promised us Your presence. And we ask that uh, according to Your presence today, uh, through the preaching of Your Word, God, that You would impact hearts and lives, including my own. And Lord, that today that You would show us Christ. And Lord, that we would see Him high and lifted up and drawing sinners to repentance. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one of the first things that we think of when we think about Christmas or associate with Christmas is probably this, Christmas presents. If we were to play uh, Family Feud, right? You know Family Feud. You know, some of y'all might watch it. You might not be spiritual enough to watch it. I don't know. But, but, but you watch Family Feud, and what happens? You've got the two families on either side, and they've got a topic to deal with, and then they put words of association that go along with that word. So when you think of Christmas, you're going to think of several other things. But one of the things that you're going to think of, probably on the top of that list, of all those people that are walking into the to family feud that day, writing down their answers is going to be Christmas presents. We've learned this from a childhood, right? Uh, whether it was a, a, a something as simple as a, a bag of, of fruit and nuts and, and maybe a couple pieces of hard candy, or whether you were getting a trampoline, you knew come Christmas time uh, that, that, that Christmas presents were going to be there. However, unfortunately, it follows us all the way through the pressures of adulthood, and now we're pinching pennies trying to buy everybody a gift, and we're trying to tell people, well, 
hey, look, um, I think my friendship renewal of membership is, is going to be a gift for you next year. So uh, that, that's your Christmas present. We're, we're trying to think of all these things and all these ways. But here's, here's what we find is that there are even some folks today who, who would teach or exhibit or even live out this idea of what, what would Christmas even be without presents is what some folks think. Well, you and I know this. Christmas would still be Christmas without the exchanging of gifts. But we would still be celebrating the birth of the greatest gift that has ever been given. And if the only gift that you and I ever receive is the Lord Jesus Christ through His Gospel, then we have received the greatest gift and there's no other gift that could ever compare. You could get a thousand trampolines and a million Corvettes and that still would not compare to Jesus Christ. Now to quote someone that you've probably heard of before, and he was a mean one, Mr. Grinch, he said, maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Now, he says that only after the fact that he had stole Christmas, so he thought, and then he comes to find out they're still able to gather around, hold hands, and sway and sing, and nobody knows the words of that Whoville song, I don't think. But you can sing it as a special. We'll get you up here, all right? But they're singing, and what does he hear? He hears all the way up there where he's getting ready to dump all the presents, and he goes, well, maybe, maybe this does mean a little bit more. As Vance Havner put it, Christmas is based on an exchange of gifts, the gift of God to man. His unspeakable gift of His Son, and the gift of man to God when we present our bodies a living sacrifice. This Christmas season is to bring us into remembrance of the fact that the Lord our God has given us the greatest presence that there is, and that is the presence of His Son, Emmanuel, dwelling amongst His people. And He has promised us His presence, that those of us who are in Christ, uh, we both have His presence now, and we will be in His presence in the life to come. But we as well now are able to exchange gifts. We don't just receive gifts from the Lord, we're able to give a gift to the Lord, and the only only gift that you can give that is fit for anything is to give Him your very life, to give Him your very self, to lift up your hands and your heart, your very life, your money, your time, your talents, everything that you got and everything that you are to the Lord Jesus Christ as a living, holy sacrifice unto Him. Now this month we're going to focus on Christmas presence, the gift of His presence. Today we're going to focus on that promise being here, seen in uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Now, here we find that this present is being revealed and given by God's grace, but like every other present this Christmas, you've got to receive it. Salvation is not only offered, but it must be received. And if there is no reception by faith, there is no salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. And we'll get into that this morning as well. First thing I want us to look at here in verse 14, and we're going to be looking all throughout, the, all throughout the Scriptures today, so you hold your place here. I'm going to try to get through all of them, but I just might not for sake of, uh, of time. I don't want this to turn into a hostage situation this morning, okay? Uh, so uh, we're going to see the first thing, His presence revealed. His presence revealed in verse number 14. We understand this, therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. It's the Lord that reveals His presence. You and I would be uh, groping in the dark of sin and not ever being able to, to know the Lord had He not revealed Himself. It is the Lord our God from the very beginning to the end of all things that reveals Himself. As we see around here, as we say around here, God's grace reveals, faith responds, and what we need is we need His grace to reveal Himself to us even once more this morning. But we're going to see now just a brief overview of all of Scripture and all of time and eternity, how God has revealed His presence how it is His presence that is the revelation even of Himself. And first of all, we see this all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So you open up to the table of contents, turn over a page, and you'll be there. Genesis 1, 1 tells us this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, 
And the earth was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We find that before there was a beginning, He already was. He is the cause of the beginning. He is the source of the beginning. He is the sustainer of everything after the beginning. It is God who spoke the creation into existence. It is God who, as He creates, reveals His character, His attributes, His actions. Furthermore, we we see this truth uh, found in Acts 17 that tells us this. Acts 17 tells us this. Like I said, i got a lot of Scripture. You, just, you can sit tight in Isaiah if you want to. I'm just going to roam around for a little bit. Isaiah, uh, uh, Isaiah points us to the, His presence, promise, but we see this in creation. There in Acts chapter 17, as Paul is at Athens, uh, it says, Now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, therefore disputed him in the synagogue of the Jews with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with him. And now uh, it says in verse 18, Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Uh, so uh, Other some, uh, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him, with, uh, brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest uh, is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, we would know therefore these thi- what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were uh, there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. And then here in verse 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of the Mars Hill, and he said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and behold, or and beheld your uh, devotions, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world. And all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of all heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. What a wonderful promise that is. For in Him we live and move and have our being. If God was not God or stopped being God for half a second, you and I would collapse and the universe would implode upon itself. Everything exists because God Almighty and God Almighty alone. He has revealed Himself in His creation. He goes on, He says, For we are also His offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that God that the Godhead is like a gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's devices. Uh, we find that there, Paul is surrounded by idolatry. They have made temples and, and statues out of wood and marble and all those things one day are going to burn up. Uh, set up and next to, uh, next to us yesterday was a lady that's got gems and sage and all sorts of stuff that's supposed to bring about healing and cast away evil spirits from your house. And what you do, it's going to do nothing for you except collect dust. It's not going to do a single thing for you. Only the Lord our God is able to, to do anything for us. And what we find is that we desperately need Him. He is not able to be likened unto the, the image of man's hands or what we can create. Rather, we find out that we are made in His image and His likeness. We are to reflect His glory. We are to point all things in the creation are to reveal who God is. And we find from the very beginning here, here in Acts 17, there in Genesis chapter 1, that His presence is proclaimed. His presence is presumed. You don't have to be a rocket surgeon to figure out that God is God and that He is real and that He created all things. It does not take long to take a, a gander out the creation to find out that there is a Creator. His Word is planted upon our heart. It is only in our sinfulness that we see, that, that we flee from Him, that we reject Him, and that we deny that He has revealed Himself. But He has revealed Himself in creation 
salvation, every attribute and act of God is revealing himself to us by his grace. Not only do we see from the very beginning of things that God has revealed himself, his very presence in creation, because if he was not present, there would have been no creation. And then we see as well throughout the Bible, as you move forward from Genesis onward, you see that God reveals himself in the covenants. Uh, God's presence is promised and pictured in all the covenants and is and is. Uh, the power to fulfill them. Without God's presence, the covenants would not be made, nor would they be fulfilled. They were dependent upon the Lord and there. And these uh, different covenants as well, we find the unconditional covenants. We'll deal with that in the Abrahamic and things that he gives to him, much of which is still going to be fulfilled as God brings Israel back to a place of repentance where they will one day be born again in a day uh, that he will restore to them all their lands. And they have not yet got to see that, but one day that day will come. God will not lie, cannot lie. He will hold fast to his word. He will fulfill his word to his people now we find in genesis chapter 15 uh, it tells us this about the abrahamic covenant we find his promise given uh, of his presence there there in the darkness as abram is put to a to a sleep uh, god begins to give him the promises uh, that are given to him and to his lineage all the way down through but notice in genesis chapter 15 verse number 17 we find the promise of the presence of god and it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. You're going to see two very similar things later on in the book of Exodus. In the wilderness, you're going to see a, 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 a pillar of fire by day and a cloud uh, excuse me, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, uh, showing the presence and provision of God, that God's promise is true to his people, that he will provide for them, he will be all that they need, that he is with his people, and he will never leave them nor forsake them. So today, you and I can rest assured that when Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, when he says that he will never leave thee nor forsake thee, we can take him at his word. Not only do we see that in the Abrahamic covenant, but there you look over in Exodus uh, chapter number 15, and we see the, uh, the uh, Mosaic Covenant as uh, God meets with his people there at Mount Sinai to give them the law. It, it, we see his overwhelming presence before he reveals himself through his word and his law that is given to them. In Exodus uh, 15, uh, excuse me, Exodus 19, uh, forgive me, Exodus 19, uh, verse uh, number 19 and when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down and charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. Why? Because God is holy, and no man can look at him and live. But praise the Lord Jesus Christ, that through him, our mediator and our intercessor, that one day we shall see him face to face. Not by works that we've done, but by his works, by his goodness, by his kindness that he has lavished on us that we have just sung about. There we find God's presence there to reveal once more. Long before you get to a thou shalt not kill, steal, or any of those things, or honor your father and mother, what you find is God's presence is there to reveal himself to his people. Then we see, uh, furthermore, over in the Davidic covenant, as uh, God promises some things to David, ultimately it will be that through his seed as well, uh, that will uh, come from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, down to David. Ultimately, it will bring about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Emmanuel, the presence of God here on earth. Here's what happens there in the Davidic covenant. Uh, he says that he will be there, that he will establish his kingdom, uh, that he will rule, and that God's presence one day will rule 
in Jerusalem. Jesus Christ is going to come again after that uh, great and terrible seven-year tribulation period, and He will literally rule and reign in His place. The world belongs to Him. He will uh, send forth all of His enemies. You and I will, who are in Christ will get to rule and reign with Him, and we will know and abide in His presence forever. But we see that these are found in the covenants. These are found all over the place, these promises. Furthermore, and greatly above all these things, even more so than creation and the covenants, we find that God has revealed Himself and promised His presence all found in Christ, revealed in Christ. If you want to know what the presence of God is, what it looks like, what it feels like, you must know Christ. You will never know the presence of God without the Lord Jesus Christ. That He is the very revealing of God's uh, character and attributes and actions and, and will. That he came to do the will of the Father. That he came uh, to uh, be that revealed Word as we have also sung earlier this morning. The presence of God there in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 is promised to be in the coming Messiah. The, the promised seed of the woman is given after sin, God's mercy and grace, as He is pronouncing judgment upon the serpent. What does He say? The very first giving of the gospel that we, that we often call it. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Notice there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it does not say the seed of Adam. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ would be virgin born, the Messiah had to be virgin born, and it's promised from the very promise of the promised seed. So the very first time that God says, I'm going to send a redeemer, he says he's going to be virgin born. He says that the lineage is going to come through, and that it's only going to be through him that there will be a way to know God Almighty, that there will be a way to have forgiveness of sins. Here we find that reiterated to us here in Isaiah 7:14 that a virgin will conceive. That will be the sign. Could you imagine hearing of such? There are those I saw not long ago, a couple years ago, uh, I think on Maury, there was a young lady who was pregnant and said that she was a virgin. Turns out she was lying, in case you were wondering. I don't know if y'all had seen that episode or not, but it was not true. She was not a virgin. Now here's what we find out, is that there was only one. Why? Because there's only one Messiah, and He came one time to redeem mankind by His shed blood, and He's coming again a second time to rule and to reign uh, and to conquer all. Now here's what we find is that Jesus' life reveals the Father, it reveals the will, the Word, and the work of the triune God. All true revelation of God is wrapped up in the personal work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot know God outside of Jesus Christ. You cannot have forgiveness of sins outside of Jesus Christ. You cannot know God's presence outside of Jesus Christ. You cannot receive revelation of God or of any other thing outside of Jesus Christ. We find that from Genesis to Revelation, it points not to a thing, not even just to a message, but to a person, and that is Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what? God with us. God with us. The focus as you and I gather together as the local church, our focus the moment we enter those doors is one thing and one thing only. God is with us. The Lord is not here simply because you showed up. The Lord is omnipresent, but what we find is that when God's people come together to meet in God's presence, God's presence is certainly there. You don't have to have the tinglings on the back of your neck to know that God is there. Why? Because He says He's there. He's promised it. He's revealed it in Christ. And therefore, because of that, as we gather in His name, we can rest assured that God is with us. Emmanuel. 
Only Jesus can represent God to man as He comes to dwell being born of the virgin so that He is not touched by the sin curse of the seed of Adam. And praise the Lord for that verse we were singing earlier that He's come to redeem us and He's going to redeem as far as the curse is found. I want you to know that curse is far and is wide, but His mercy is farther and His mercy is wider. And we find that there is coming a day where that curse will be no more. But He has also come that we find that only Jesus can represent man to God as He dies on the cross uh, living a perfect sinless life he would not and could not sin and there he was being made a curse for us so that Adam's curse that was passed on to us would be taken out of the way he is our now our mediator our intercessor he is the one that has revealed the presence of God and you say well I've never gotten to walk with Jesus in the flesh oh my dear friend we'll get into a moment you've got something that Jesus said is even far better that the Lord himself abides now in you he was born so that we can be born again. He died so that we could live. He rose so that we too will rise with Him. And we are now dead, buried, risen with Him right now and forevermore. We find as well that not all, that the presence of God revealed that it has been promised to us, creation, the covenants, Christ, but as well in the church. And we're not talking about the building, but the people, the belonging, every believer. God has promised His presence to His church and each believer who is now a unified member of the body of Christ. John chapter 14, the night that Jesus is about to be portrayed into the hands of sinners and to lay down His life, a ransom for many. What He teaches His disciples is this. In John chapter 14, uh, John chapter 14, verse 15, it says, If you love Me, keep My commandments. And I will pray the Father and He shall give you another capitalized comforter. Oh, J.L. is one of his favorite songs. The Comforter has come. Why? Because we see the Holy Spirit of God has been coming. Notice what he says in verse 16. I will give to you another Comforter that He may abide with you forever. Why? Because Jesus says, I've got to go away. It's better that I go away. But I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you powerless. I'm going to give you the Comforter, the Parakletos, the one that comes alongside of you because He's inside of you, dear believer. And there He lives and abides to abide. He dwells with you forever. How long is forever? It's forever. Even the Spirit of Truth. That is another name for the Comforter, for the Holy Spirit of God. The one who reveals uh, the Lord Jesus Christ to us, who has opened up our blind eyes and brought about conviction upon our heart and has quickened us by His Spirit. Here He says, the, the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not. The only way that you'll ever see the Spirit of Truth is by faith alone. Neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Furthermore, we find that each believer is the dwelling place of the promised presence of Almighty God. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, the Apostle Paul is having to deal with some serious sin. He's having to deal with some terrible fornication and wicked sexual perversion that's taking place in the church of God amongst Christian folk, by the way. And what happens is he reminds them that their body is not their own, nor is it to be used for wickedness. Why? Because he tells them in that passage in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple 
of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We find that it is the Lord who gives breath to our body and to our lungs and allows the blood to flow through our veins. It is the Lord who has given us not just physical life, but spiritual life that is found in Jesus Christ. And because of that, our life is not our own. We've been bought with a price. And our life, our body, is now to be called the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. What does that mean? Well, the tabernacle was a temporary place where God dwelt amongst His people. Well, the temple was then once more a, 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 a literal and a physical, but a temporal place where God dwelt with His people. And what do we find now? Dear believer, you are the temple of God. So you don't have to look far for Emmanuel. The Lord our God, His presence is with us and promised to every believer. Furthermore, we see this uh, that, that God's promised presence is revealed to us in the coming consummation of all things. Uh, we find in Revelation uh, chapter 21, uh, verse 1 through 4, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, that's the dwelling, that's the same thing that we'll see later on in John chapter 1, that he dwelt among us. It's the tabernacle amongst us. He made his dwelling place amongst us. That the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself, God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Why? Because God's there. There shall be no more sorrow. Why? Because God's there. There shall be no more crying. Why? Because God is there. Neither shall be any more pain. Why? Because God is there for the former things are past away. Furthermore, you flip over just a page in Revelation chapter 21, verse number 22. And I saw no temple therein. There's no more need for a temple. And as a matter of fact, here's what he says. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it, the dwelling place of His absolute holy uh, presence full of love and grace and mercy to all those who have received Him. And he says... And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it for the, Lord, for the glory of God. That's His abiding Shekinah presence, by the way. That the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Then you go over into chapter 22, and it gets even gooder than that. Look at verse number 17. And the Spirit, capitalized, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, from everlasting to everlasting. And the bride, say, come. There is an invitation in the presence of God, and that's what this Christmas season is about. It is to offer you the presence, the, the gift of God's presence. He has promised this offer. He has promised this availability. But here is one thing that is not promised, that you will receive it. You must receive it. This is your choice now. God has made the promise to offer it, to make it available. But you must today receive it by grace through faith. You must be born again. You must trust in the promise of His presence. And you must heed the, the call of the Spirit and the Bride that says, Come and let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. What we find is that he welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. That are those are the ones that are saved. For I testify in every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the, the plagues that are written in all this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things says, Surely I come quickly. What's that? His presence. Amen.
I'm not amening myself. It just says it right there. It's the next word. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. You can rest assured where the grace of God is, His presence is there because His presence is what offers His grace and reveals His grace. And notice, all those who have responded to the Gospel of Christ, all those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, who know His presence and know His abiding presence, who have received His revealed promised presence to you and I in the personal work of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I may now freely say, even so, come Lord Jesus. Why? Because this body longs to be delivered, yes, from sin, sorrow, grief, and despair, but our hearts long to be in the presence of God where we will see our God, our Creator, our Redeemer face to face, where we shall know Him, we shall behold Him, we shall see the One on whom was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquity, and we will see the One who bled and died and rose again for us, we will find that uh, we will be able to see the One face to face who we are united with from the moment we trusted Him to the day we see Him. That we will see the One that we have uh, forever, eternal, everlasting communion with. That is Jesus Christ alone. Alright, we're going to take a time out, right? <laughs> now let's back up. To Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. <clears throat> we see now his promise rejected. There are two options that we're going to look at now <clears throat> in this passage. Today, you are no gray man or in a gray area or in a halfway in or a halfway out. There is no such thing, my dear friend. You are one or two things that we're going to look at today in this passage. Either one, you have rejected His presence. Or two, you have received His presence. There is no in-between. There never has been. There never will be. Notice with me here, Isaiah 7.14. We know that verse, but do we know the passage? This is going to show us that His presence was rejected by Ahaz. It had already been rejected by Israel. It has now been rejected by the people of Judah. And what's going to happen is yet even through this rejection, God is still going to make this promise because He's got some redeeming to do by His everlasting, unending grace and mercy. And He makes this promise even in the midst of a perverse and a wicked people with a wicked king. And He promises that one day God will be with them. The background context with, uh, read with me here, verses 1-9. through nine. And we're going to read some different names, alright? Just rest assured, these are some funky names, but the Lord put them here for a reason to show us that these are very real men, very real people at a very real time, at a very terrible time and difficult time of these people. He says, And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. Y'all don't know that. And it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim, which is also another uh, word that is used for Israel. It was a tribe, and it was a reference to Israel as a people, the northern kingdom. We'll get into that in a moment. And his heart was moved in the heart of his people as the trees of the wood are moved with wind. Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz, thou, and Shear Jashub, thy son. Boy, what a good name for your, for your next kid right there, right? And what does he say? At the end of the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field, and say unto him, 
Take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted, for the two tails of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin with Syria and of the son of Remaliah. Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabiel. Thus saith the Lord God, It shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. That's a good thing, isn't it? He says, for the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. And within three score and five years, at 65 years, shall Ephraim be broken, that it shall not be a people. What's going to happen is eventually in 65 years that the Assyrians are going to overtake them, and they're going to take tens and even hundreds of thousands of people into captivity. And Israel and Judah will be broken up and in captivity because of their idolatry and their sin, their rebellion, their rejection of the Lord their God. Notice, it says in verse number... Where were we? Verse number 8. Let's say verse, let's go to verse 9. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. If ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. Notice this today. If you do not believe, it is not God's fault. If you do not believe, if you reject the gospel, if you reject the call, if you reject the promises of God, if you reject His promised presence, it is not God's fault. You get to take all the credit you want for that. But you have an option. You will either reject today or you will receive today. You reject in the flesh, but you will respond and receive the presence of God only by faith alone. You must trust. Depend upon Him completely. It says in verse number 10, Moreover, the Lord spake again in Ahaz, saying, Ask thee, Son of the Lord thy God, ask in either in the depth or in the height above. The idea is you ask it, I'll give it, but Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. He thought he was taking a spiritual high road and said what he's doing is he's not believing the Lord as verse 9 had commanded. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is time during the divided kingdom. You have the northern kingdom, which is Israel, also known as Ephraim, and the southern, which is Judah, made up of two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. Syria and Israel make an alliance against Judah. They want to take them and overpower them and to take control. Why? Because Judah occupies Jerusalem, which is the capital city of God. It will, has been, and will continue to be so throughout the ages. Now, as we see, Ahaz is Judah's king during this time. Unfortunately, based upon 2 Kings chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, we find out that King Ahaz is a wicked king. It tells us that he did that which was not right in the sight of the Lord. That's wickedness. It's faithlessness. And that he turned in 2 Kings 16, verse 8, to an alliance with a pagan king of the Assyrians. How interesting it is that in man's attempt to prepare himself for war and to make things right and to give himself protection, that he partners up with the one that's eventually going to overtake the entire land and they will be led captive to them. This tells us something very simple before we go any further. It's this. We should not trust in our own hands. We should not trust in our own heart or our own thoughts or our own vain imaginations. We must trust in the hand of Almighty God. He alone is worthy of trust. Here's what happens is Ahaz, he trusts the military power, not the powerful presence of God. Now let me ask you this, and it's a pretty simple pop quiz here. 
Who's more powerful, the Assyrians with Judah or God? That's right, you guys pass. You all get a gold sticker today. God is more powerful than all the armies of the world combined, and one day He's going to show forth just how powerful He is. He's powerful enough that He spoke and all things were created out of nothing, out of the very power of His breath and Word. But yet, the beauty of this, you and I would think, if I was God, I'd throw away Ahaz, I'd throw away Israel, I'd throw away Judah, I'd throw away everybody. Take my ball and go home. But even in the midst of this rejection that Ahaz has done, representing the people, mind you, as well as Israel, who has already rejected, what happens? God says, I'm still going to promise my presence. God had even already told them verses ago that though the Syrians and Israel comes down to make war against them, it will not stand. So there's no need to go crying to the Assyrians to come and be your backup or to come and be your muscle. You trust in Me and you will be established. God in His grace and mercy promises victory to Judah not because of Ahaz, but because of God's promises to David and to his lineage. Because God is going to uphold the promise of His presence. God tells Ahaz to ask for a son, but Ahaz rejects the notion. He says, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. You can go ahead and mark this down. If God tells you to do something, you better go ahead and do it. We don't need to start asking God questions about details. If He says it, you do it. Now, I want you to know this as well. Everything that He wants you to do is found in this Word right here. If you want to know what God wants from you, it's right here in this book. Ahaz rejects it. And what happens is God yet still gives the promise. He says, A virgin is going to come and conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So though they reject, God still says, I will fulfill my word and I will still yet give you my presence. Sadly, later down the line, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ that we celebrate this month the coming of Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. He will be rejected once more by His people. John chapter 1, verse 11. Came into His own, His own received Him not. God's promised presence is rejected by Ahaz, Israel, Judah. And sadly today, God's presence is rejected by the average Christian that lives and walks and abides in the flesh. The reason why most Christians today don't know anything about the presence of God outside of some tinglys on the back of their neck and they mistake it for God is this. They think they can know and walk in God's presence by their own works, by the power of their own hands. They think as if they can live the Christian life outside of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We are saved by faith. We kept by faith. The just shall live by faith. We are no longer to put on the flesh, but to put off the flesh, to put off the old man, and to put on the new. And what we find is as we do that, we learn what it means to abide in the presence of God. We learn what it means to know that His presence is the very power behind our breath, behind our worship, behind our ability to read and to study the Word of God and to be able to proclaim the Gospel to lost and the dying. 
want as well for a moment this morning in this verse to point out something that's, I believe, of critical importance. And that is the reality of the virgin birth and incarnation. It cannot be rejected. There's a reason why it's a part of the fundamentals of the faith for a reason. It is fundamental to the faith. Now here, many commentators get this wrong, desperately so, because they're trying to take this academic road and trying to uh, uh, take away the miraculous and, and trying to put things spiritually into their own hands and it just does not work. We need a virgin-born Savior or else we never have a Savior. He must come in the flesh, but He must be God. And the only way to do that is this way. A virgin shall conceive, thou shalt call His name Emmanuel. The word virgin here is the word Alma. Sadly, most commentators uh, look at this word Alma and they say, well, if Isaiah really meant it to just be virgin, he would have used a different word that meant virgin. I want you to know, dear friends, that the word Alma is used seven times in the Old Testament. And all seven times it is referring to a virgin or someone who is unmarried, unwed, but of maritable age, who is still yet a what? Virgin. So let me ask this simply. When God's Word tells us in Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14, and a virgin shall conceive, what do you think that word means? Virgin. For further proof, the Septuagint, which is the, the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it used the word parthenos. You know what that word means? Virgin, in case you were wondering. And it only means virgin. So what we find is that God meant what He meant, and He said what He said. And yet here Ahaz rejects. But there is a final option. This is the option that I beg of you to take. You say, well, I'm already saved, so is this still for me? Oh yes, it's for you, dear saved soul, because we need to receive the presence of God from the moment we wake up to the time we go to sleep, and we'll only do so by grace through faith. We need to live with the power of the presence of Almighty God that has been revealed to us in Lord Jesus Christ, that has been promised to us in the abiding Holy Spirit of God that now lives in us as the temple of God. Verse 14 shows us His promise received as well that His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. I want to see for a moment the prophecy being fulfilled Matthew chapter 1. Turn with me there. Matthew chapter 1. Sadly, many folks as well argue so much about the immediate nature of this promise of Isaiah 7 and they try to attribute it to Isaiah's son. That don't make no sense. They try to attribute it to another a woman uh, somehow uh, and, and try to make it out to where it's not a virgin. That don't work neither. If you want to know what Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 is about, notice how the Bible interprets the Bible for us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when His mother Mary, who was a virgin at the time, was a spouse to Joseph before they came together. So showing once more she is a virgin. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Meaning this, they were at the stage of being engaged where they were legally bound together and they would have had essentially what would have been a, a disannulment, but they had not come together physically. He had not uh, finished the, the preparation work and then go and call his bride and have the feast, the whole festivities. Had it happened yet, and yet she's now found with child, but it is of no other man because he is not of this world. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the Word made flesh. 
He is the Lord God Almighty. He is the great I Am who always was, is, and shall be. It says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. Notice, and that's important too, because God keeps His word to His servant David. He says, Fear not to take thee, Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now once more, like Ahaz, Joseph's got an opportunity to either reject what God has given, to reject the presence and promise of God, or to receive it. What does old Joe do? Well, he takes it. And notice what the angel continues to say, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken to the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. So what do you think Isaiah 7.14 is about? It's about the birth of Jesus Christ. No one else. And at its simplest meaning, it is the virgin born Jesus Christ. Then Joseph being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. So to all those who say that Mary stayed a virgin, notice, he's the firstborn and he was virgin born, but she had others and he called his name Jesus as he was told to do so. Only Christ can fulfill this. And when Jesus is born as Emmanuel, God's presence is revealed by His creation and the humbled gathered around to see the newborn lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. There was no room for them in the end. There was no room for the presence of God in the heart of Ahaz, or Israel, or Judah, or on the day that Christ was born. I would ask you today, is there room for the presence of God in your life today? You and I, around this time of year, we begin to reflect on all that we have gone through the, in the past 11 months. We think about what the next year is going to look like. And we're trying to make changes. We're trying to make sure that it's better or perhaps more in our control or more in our hands. And it's never really going to be, if we're honest. But I want you to know, if there's anything that you're going to seek this Christmas season and at the start of a new year, it had better be the presence of God. So how do we receive His presence this Christmas? Or any day, or any moment. It is by grace, through faith. As uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We find then as the Lord Himself is writing to the churches of Asia Minor, and as well even to us today, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. He has promised and offered the gift of his presence. But have you received it? You say, Well, I'm saved. That's wonderful. Then are you living in his presence? Are you abiding in his presence? Are you encouraged and empowered by his presence? Do you know that He is with you and you take Him wherever you go? Do you know that your body, your life belongs to Him alone? Will you live in the power of His presence? Have you received Christ today? 
You see, God's presence is available now to the lowly, the poor, the needy, the afflicted, the struggling, the downhearted, the downcast, and the alone. Will you receive this promised gift? The presence of God. Are you trusting in His promised presence for power in your life, dear Christian? If there's anything the Christian needs as much as the lost, it is the presence of God. And because we are saved, we may now freely enter into His presence because now we may freely abide in His presence where He abides in us. I want to bring this to a close with a song. And no, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> so we're going to call it a poem since I'm reading, reading, reading it. This is from the song Emmanuel, Emmanuel from Sovereign Grace. It's one of the Christmas albums. We have come today to worship. We have come to praise the One who came down into our darkness, born a lowly virgin Son. You who did not come with splendor, pomp, and strength and majesty. You who came to us in weakness, born to us in poverty. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. In You alone we hope and trust. Jesus, Savior, God with us. Emmanuel. We were blind and lost and godless, wandering a trackless waste. Then hope arose, a glorious beacon, like the star the wise men chased. Down from heaven came a Savior, born a child so small and frail, taking up our pain and troubles, conquering where we had failed. Emmanuel, 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 in You alone we hope and trust. Jesus, Savior, God with us. Emmanuel. You who with a word created sun and moon and seas and sand lay there sleeping in a manger cradled by your mother's hand. You who made the mighty forest would lie down upon a tree fastened there with nails for sinners would bleed and die to set us free. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. In you alone we hope and trust. Jesus, Savior, God with us. Emmanuel. Let's all stand this morning. We have a time of invitation. First and foremost, if you need to trust Christ as your Savior, would you come and experience the presence of Almighty God? Let Him take up residence in your heart. Repent and believe the Gospel. Today as this piano plays, this altar is open for you too, dear Christian, that has been struggling with sin, struggling with, with hope this Christmas. Know this, that God's presence is available to you too and is promised to you too. Would you come and abide in it?